Well, good evening, everyone, and bless the Lord. We are live here on Blog Talk Radio on the Global Drive Network. We're also uh, out on uh, Facebook Live as well as Periscope. So I feel like a big shot tonight. I'm on all kinds of mediums, and I'm doing it all by myself. So when it gets messed up, you got nobody to blame but me. I welcome you tonight. I am Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries, and tonight we continue our journey through 2 Samuel, and I believe tonight we're in Chapter 10. We've been on this journey for quite some time. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe we started last year uh, sometime around the April, April-May time period in First Samuel. And we have been diligently uh, going through and studying the Word of God. So tonight, what I'd like to do is, as usual, we want to have a word of prayer and then uh, invite those who don't know Christ and to accept him. And then we'll dive into the word. I'll do a quick review because we need to uh, make some attachments. We need to show you the narrative. First Samuel is uh, best, uh, second Samuel and first Samuel actually should best be described as a, um, a historical narrative. And what we've done over the past months is we have shown how God has taken the 12 scattered tribes who were disobedient and constantly under attack, have galvanized them into a nation, have shown us the difference between a worldly king and a king, a man after God's own heart. And now we're at the stage where a promise that God has given to Israel through David And that promise was that they would have a place of their own and there would be peace on all sides. And we're seeing the fulfilling of that promise. So um, we've been on a long journey. It's been a great journey. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And for those of you who are out on Facebook Live, if if you know that, good evening, uh, if you know of someone who is in need of a good study Why don't you hit that share button and begin to share this word with them tonight. But in the meantime, let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come, and we come to thank you. God, as usual, we thank you for your word. For your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. It is by your word that we are sustained. It is your word that gives life and light. And so we bless you and we praise you. We bless you and praise you for your spirit, God, your spirit that leads us into truth. Now tonight, God, we need you to do a work for us through us. We need you to lead us into your word. We need to have your word come alive in us. We need you, O God, to help us understand 
what you are saying to us through your word. Oh, help us and speak to us, oh God, collectively and in individually. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's some of you out here who have who are on Facebook Live and, and on Periscope and the Global Drive Network who have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what you've literally done is left a gift on the table. God offers you his son to pay your sin penalty. God offers you his son so he can have fellowship with you. God offers you his son so you can have life and life more abundantly. And so how do you get the son? It's simple. You say, I want it. You, 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 you come forward wherever you are right now, and you ask God, you tell God, look, I want Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he is your son, and I ask him into my heart because I want my sins forgiven. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. All you do is ask him. All you do is say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he died for my sins, and I ask him to be my savior in Jesus' name. And when you do that, guess what? God, God allows, God allows you to become his son or his daughter. God accepts you because he's already accepted payment for your sins. Many people don't know their sins are forgiven. All they got to do is just take the gift of Jesus, and that's what you do. And when you do that, here's what, what I want you to do. I want you to find somebody that you know to be a Christian. I want you to find a church. I want you to find a, a pastor, and you go tell them, I prayed and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and according to the word of God, I'm saved. Now, what do I do? Help me to, to, to learn what the next steps are. And I guarantee you that there are Christians out there, there are churches out there, there are pastors out there who are waiting, who are waiting with open arms to help you in your walk with Christ, who to help you understand what it means to be a son or daughter of God. There are folk out there waiting just for you. Why don't you do that today? God, we love you for doing that. Because I mean, you don't have to. You 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 don't have to. You don't have to go far. They're waiting for you. Amen. So if you did that, welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome, my brother. Welcome, my sister. Amen. Now. Before I get started tonight on the actual lesson, and the actual lesson, if you got your Bible, go to 2 Samuel chapter 10. And I'm going to do something just a little bit unusual today, but it's all right. It, 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 it should work out real good for you. I'm go we're going to do some map work. If you've got your Bible, if you've got your Bible, I want you to go into the back, and I want you to find a map of Israel. Specifically, um, most of you, if you've got a good study Bible, there is a map that shows the kingdom of David, and oftentimes it's the kingdom of David and the kingdom of Solomon. Now, I've, I, the reason why I want to use a map tonight, and I've got a map, uh, one of my atlases right here, and I'm going to try to show you some things on this atlas. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'll try to show you some things on the atlas because Oftentimes, we miss the story 
because in our minds, we cannot imagine the places. And when we look at um, chapter 10, there are some specific cities, there are some specific regions, and there are some specific maneuvers that are going to happen tonight that chapter 10, you, you really miss all the flavor of chapter 10 if you don't at least in your mind's eye understand what's going on. And so I'm going to try something. I don't know how well this is going to work out, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out one of my atlases, and this is a, uh, a it's, it's entitled Rose Then and Now Bible Map Atlas, and I use this a lot. It's one of my newer pieces of equipment. Um, but what I want to do is I want to show you something, and let's see how well this looks. I don't, I don't know if this comes in real good, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, what it shows, hang on, I'm getting ready to get all fouled up, is it's going to show you a section of, or it's going to show you Israel. And what I want you to see first is I want you to see where my finger is, that's Jerusalem. And if you go across this area right here, that's the Jordan River. And over here in the land of Ammon, there is a city called Rabot. Now, you're going you're gonna to see this tonight in our study. Now, what is specific, another thing that I want you to see is I want you to see Syria. This green area up here, this is Syria. And this is the place where you'll see um, Maka and Aram and Bethrebop and Aram, Zobah, and then Hamath. This is the area that Ammon is going to recruit. They're going to recruit um, uh, the um, they're going to recruit the Syrians up in this area to come down into the area of Ammon the home of the Ammonites. And what's going to happen is from Jerusalem, David is going to launch an assault. And what's going to happen is between Ammon and Meribah, which is below Ammon, they're going, the Israelites are going to get caught in a trap because they're going to march in, getting ready to go to Ramoth, and they're going to march in between two armies, and there's going to be problems. Now, the problem comes because they think that the, the mercenaries that are going to come from the north are going to march straight down to Ammon. And so they're, 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 going, to, they're going to think that, that in marching down, they'll, meet the, they'll confront the enemy head on. But what the enemy does is he moves farther south. And so rather than them being able to creep up in behind and take um, the Ammonites, they're going to get caught in between the two of them. And that's going to cause Israel a problem. So, again, I want you to see just the geography. If you look in your, if you look in your, uh, um, in your, your Bible maps, you'll be able to pick out most of these cities. It's important, it's important, it's important that you see these things. My wife is over in the, in my study, and she's uh, turned Facebook Live on, and so there's an echo all of a sudden. So in addition to...
competing with all of the technological things that I'm trying to do. Uh, I got my wife, too, and I'm glad she's in here studying with us, by the way. That's, I appreciate the support. So all I'm really trying to do is make sure and introduce you to all of the tools that you have available to you, because I guarantee you most of you guys have never looked into the back. Hey, Yuri, how you doing? Have never looked in the back of your Bibles, and I happen to know that Yuri has a fantastic Bible. So he could just go in the back of his Bible, and he can get that information just like you and begin to look and see how these battles transpire. Amen? So now, one more thing. Chapter 10, remember when we were in Chapter 8, and Chapter 8 we talked about the victory, and then Chapter 9 we talked about the grace of God extended to Mephibosheth, and I told you when we were in Chapter 8 that we would flush out chapter 8 in chapter 10. Well, this is what we're doing now. This is one of the battles or two of the battles that were talked about in chapter 8. But now we get more detail. Also, when you go over into First Chronicles chapter 19, you'll see the same, the same description of the battle that we're about to discuss tonight. So with that said, let's read. And let's see where we're at now. Okay, we're in good shape. In the course of time, this is 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanun succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanun, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanun concerning his father. Stop for a minute. Where have we heard that name, Nahash? Does anybody remember? Where have we heard that name, Nahash? And why is David friendly with them? That's the first question that should be on your mind for those who have followed the study. Well, let me, let's, let's, tweak, let's, let's tweak your mind a little bit. Go over to 1 Samuel Chapter 11, remember when we, when we met Nahash for the first time? We met him in 1 Samuel chapter 11 when Nahash came to Jabesh-Gilead and he besieged the city and he told them that in order to make a treaty with them that each one had to have their right eye gouged out. And remember Saul came along? And he rescued them from Nahash, and he chased Nahash off. Remember that? First Samuel chapter 11. Go back and read it when you get a chance. Well, why is David a friend with Nahash? Well, it's pretty simple. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Nahash was an enemy of Saul. Saul considered David an enemy. So some kind of way, there was an alliance or some kind of treaty between Nahash and uh, David because of Saul. But now Saul is dead. Nahash, because of a previous treaty that he had with David, they're on good terms. But in, in the first verse, it says, in the course of time, Nahash dies and his son assumes 
the throne of the Ammonites. Now, one more thing. Remember who the Ammonites are. The Ammonites are descendants of Lot. And the Ammonites came about because of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his younger daughter. We've gone through that before. And so they're actually, and remember Lot was kin to Abraham. So these are they are actually kin to Israel. But they're not acting like kinfolk at this time. They didn't act like kinfolk before. They've attacked, they've joined in with the Moabites on several occasions to attack Israel. And so they were enemies. Now, let's go forward. It says, I will show kindness to Hanun, son of, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanun concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite nobles said to Hanun, their lord, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending men to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan sees David's men, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments in the middle at the buttocks, and sent them away. So David, now remember in chapter 9, how do we see David? We see David as expressing his graciousness. We see David extending himself because of his covenant relationship to his should-be enemy, the grandson of Saul, Mephibosheth. But because of the word that David gave and because of the covenant relationship that was formed between David and Jonathan, David acts upon his word. He honors the covenant. He does not kill Mephibosheth, but instead he restores Mephibosheth and he places Mephibosheth in a position where not only does he receive his inheritance, the natural inheritance that he should have received through Saul, but he also feeds him. He also has a prepared place at the king's table. Meditate on that for a couple of seconds. Now, so here David again has this alliance with the Ammonites. And the Ammonites are motivated to dishonor where honor is extended. David says, look, I want to keep this alliance going. I'm not looking for a fight or anything. I want to make sure that, you know, they understand that we're going to have a good relationship. And for for him trying to honor them and honor the memory of Nahash, what happens? He receives dishonor. They cut the beards of the ambassador. Now, 
You might say, well, that wasn't that bad, was it? Well, yes, it was, because what they did was they defiled them. Leviticus teaches that a Hebrew male should not cut his beard nor trim it, as was the custom of the pagans around Israel. You see, the Egyptians would shave their faces so there was no hair on them. And then uh, the others, like the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Philistines, they would trim their beard and make them all neat. Like this, the way I wear my beard is, I guess this might be a Philistine cut that I got because I trim mine on a regular basis. But the, 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 the Torah, the law for um, the, uh, the Israelites was they did not cut their beards. They didn't shape them. They just let them grow. And that honored God. The second thing that they defiled was they defiled their clothing. You see, when, with, you know, the way that the, the men of Israel, they were taught that according to the Torah, that their, their robes were long and there were fringes along those rims. And they cut those out. And not only did they cut them off, but they sent them back. And the best way I could say it is they sent them back ass out. I mean, can you imagine walking down the street, walking through the desert with your behind out? That's what they did to them. They sent them back with their butts out. They sent them back humiliated. That's what the text will tell you. They humiliated God's people when God's people reached out to them in their time of grief and sadness. Their kindness was repaid with evil. Let's pick it up from there. So now, wait a minute, hold on, let me stop. So now, though in the shape that they're in, they couldn't go into the temple. Can you imagine you going out and you're going out to take honor, and you come back in disgrace. Can you imagine how that would look to your wife or your husband, you coming out all messed up like that? And, and you can't go to church, you can't go before the priest, nothing. Why? Because you were humiliated. You were dishonored. You were defiled. So, when, verse 5. When David was told about this, he sent his messengers to meet the men. Look at what it says. For they were greatly humiliated. The king says, look at the ministry of David. Watch him minister to his people because he knows how they feel. He knows what they've been through, and they went through it for him. Watch what David does. He says this. He said, the king said, stay at, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown. And then come back. So David, not willing to let the people see them in this condition, does what any father, what any mother, what any king would do. He covers them. He shelters them from the humiliation by telling them, no, no, I don't, don't, don't go back home. What I want y'all to do is I want you to go over to Jericho, stay at Jericho, get healed up, let your beards grow back out. We can replace these clothes. Uh, and 
Y'all just get yourself together and then come back. But now watch this. When David, um, he says in verse 6, when the Ammonites realized they had become a stench in David's nostrils, they hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from Beth Rehob and Zorba, as well as the king of Maka, and a thousand men, and also 12,000 men from Tob. Now, remember that map that I showed you earlier? Up in the northern section of that map, you'll find these cities. You'll find these, these cities. And these are cities all in Syria. And and if you if you get on your maps today, if you can, if you can get on your maps and you can find a good overlay, what you're going to find is this same area that they're fighting in that they're fighting in in chapter ten. They're fighting in those same areas today. All the, all the things that we hear about the Syrian fighting and Aleppo, those were the areas that those people came from to fight against the people of God. What I showed you was a map of Syria, and it was from the Syria, from the area of Syria that all of these people came from. They call in in, your, in the NIV they're called Arameans. In the ESV they're called Syrians. It's just a, it's just how they choose to recognize the cities. So the Syrians or the Arameans, as you as as those in the NIV will know it, the Arameans come down and they enjoin the Ammonites. Now watch. When the Ammonites realized that they had become a stench in David's nostrils, they hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from Beth Rehob and Zobah, as well as the king of Maka, with 1,000 men and also 12,000 men from Tob. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. Did you catch that? David didn't go out with them. David sent Joab. Put that, put that in the back of your mind for a second. David didn't go with him. David sent Joab. Hmm. I want you to hold on to that because you know we're going to come back to that later on. Might not be tonight, might be next week, but I want you to, if, you, if you're jotting notes down or you got your Bible, underline just that David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. The Ammonites came out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance to their city gate while the Arameans of Zoab and Rehob and the men of Tob and Maka were by themselves in the open country. Hmm. Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him. Uh-oh. Remember what I told you about before? Where did I get that from? Where did I get that they were at, at another city, uh, uh, that they were at that city, uh, city south of Rahab, Ramoth, rather? Go over to... First Chronicles, and this is, again, when you are studying your Bible, take the time to understand what you are reading. 
You need to see the whole thing, especially when it's battles. Sometimes God is showing miracles to you, a miracle and a victory and how you attain the victory. And because we don't understand the geography, we we just think that, oh, they went out there and they fought hard and they won. No. You didn't know how big the odds were against them. You've seen the numbers. You've seen that it's two armies, but you don't see the trap that they walked in. So go over to go to uh, First Chronicles 19. I want to. I want to see. I, I hope I don't have to read the whole thing. Um, where am I going? I'm going backwards. 19. I can't turn and talk at the same time. Let's see. Um, Here it is, right here. Look at verse 7. They hide, uh, Well, I'm going to read verse 6. When the Ammonites realized that they had become a stench in David's nostril, Hanan and the Ammonites sent a thousand talents of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from Aram Naharim, Aram Maka, and Zorba. Remember those cities that I showed you earlier. Now, they give them their proper names in Chronicles. In um, 2 Samuel, they give basically the general location where they came from. But in Chronicles, they give the proper names that corresponded to that map that I showed you earlier. Okay. They hired 32,000 chariots and charioteers as well as king, as the king of Maka with his troops who came and camped near Madiba. Now, in, on that map, I showed you where Madiba was in relationship to the capital of the Ammonites, Ramoth. It was south, about 20 miles south of the capital. And so rather than having the enemy positioned in Ramoth or slightly north of Ramoth, where they would have encountered them after they crossed the Jordan from Jerusalem, they're sitting south. So they don't encounter the enemy. They march right into the enemy's trap. So north of them sits the capital of the Ammonites, and just south of them, the enemy that it came all the way from the north are sitting there at Madiba. And so Joab marches in and realizes, oh, I'm in the middle of a sandwich. Because on one side of me is the enemy, on the other side of me is the enemy, and I'm the meat. And they can eat me up. But watch, watch what Joab says. Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Arameans. He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to rescue you. I want to stop right there. Now, one of the things that you will learn 
when you really study is that thus there's more supplemental information concerning this passage and concerning many of the passages. And one area that we find about how folk feel when they're in a trap, we can find it over in Psalms. Specifically, in this passage, there is a psalm written about how they felt when they found out that they were in a trap. And that psalm is Psalm 60. Turn over to Psalm 60 with me real quick. My time is good. We got, we're making good time. Turn to Psalm chapter 60. Or excuse me, Psalm 60, the 60th Psalm. Now, how do I know that this this psalm relates to um, this passage, this passage that we're talking about now? Well, it tells me. Look, look at the subscri- the subscri- uh, the heading on this. There was, they 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 memorialized this because this is a lament that was sang by the children of Israel. This becomes a part of their worship. This becomes a part of their. His, uh, their, their worship, what God did for us and how we felt. Look at this. Look, look what it says. Because a lot of times we just run right past that. We run right past it. It says, Psalm 60, for the director of music to the tune of the lily of the covenant. Stop for one second. Remember that David has a promise of peace. That's chapter 8, okay, to the lily of the covenant, a mitcam. A mitcam is a psalm that teaches. It is a teaching, okay, psalm. It says, for teaching, a mitcam of David, for teaching when he fought, look at who he's fighting, Aram Naharim and Aram Zorbar, and when Job returned, and struck down the 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. This battle that we're studying now, as well as a battle that happens against the Edomites uh, that was described very, very briefly in Chapter 8 before it was pronounced in Chapter 8 that is that the promise of God given to Israel in chapter 7 for a place of their own, and peace was fulfilled. See how this is all coming together? See what happens when, when you really, really take your time and study? And it, is a, it's, it's just, it just shows you that God honors his word. Let me see, let's, let's, let's look at this psalm real quick, because this is how they were feeling, remember? It says, you have rejected us, O God. And burst forth upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures for its quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. Can you relate to that? Job looks up there and he sees, look, man, I'm in a sandwich. They about to get me. That's what they see when they go out to that fight. I mean, imagine you're going out there and you think that you're going to, you're going to, you're getting ready to whoop somebody. And then all of a sudden you think, okay, I can take two of them. But then all of a sudden you surround it like 20 of them. You're like, like Bruce Lee in one of those old Bruce Lee movies. And you know you don't have them kung fu moves. 
Or like that other guy, Jason Strahan, who play in the transporter, and he's he, he doing all them flips and using everything around. No, man, it's just me and them. And it's more of them than it is of me, and they got all kind of stuff working against me. Oh, Lord, you're supposed to be leading me and guiding me. Holy Ghost, you're supposed to be leading me in all truth. And here I am in a trap. But look at what he says. But for those who fear you, verse 4, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow, the bow. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against them. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom I toss my sandal. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Listen to what God said. Oh, baby, you mine. When he's talking about, look, those, those first ones that he talked about, he said, Gilead is mine. Gilead is in the land of Israel. Manasseh is a tribe in Israel. Ephraim is a tribe in Israel. He is citing his own people. And if you look at where the, the, their position, that guess where their position? Their position all on the border of the enemy. And the enemy is trying to push in and take them out. And, and, and Joab, with all of the army of Israel, is in a pickle. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O oh God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? You see, that's the way you talk before you get your victory. Sometimes before you get the victory, when you're staring at the fight, before you understand who you are, you think you whooped, not hardly. Give us aid against the enemy. See, that's, that's something that we, that we have. We can ask God for help. What does the Bible say? Because he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He, what does he say? If you go through fire, if you go through flood, I'm with you. What does Jesus say? Lo, I will be with you even until the very end. Oh, you see, that's the privilege that we have when we are in God. But go ahead. What does it say in verse 12? Or 11, rather. Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. They have gone out. And they have hired all of those mercenaries to come up against me. But if you will give us, if you on my side, if God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 12, with God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. That's it, right there. That's the teaching. That is the teaching right there. And so go back, flip back, go back, go back. See what my time looks like. I'm good. Twenty minutes. Oh, good. I get good time. Joab saw that there were battle lines. I'm, I'm going back to verse nine so that I can, we can transition back to Second Samuel. Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Arameans. 
He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. Joab said, if the Arameans are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come to your rescue. Now watch, watch him encourage the courage of people. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and let the cities and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites saw that the Arameans were fleeing, they fled before Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. They sent the enemy gathering in two different directions. What is the promise of God when we are in covenant relationship with him? What does it say? The enemy will come in one way, but he will flee seven different ways. And they put him on the run. Now, stop for one second and think about this for a second, because you've got to get this. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. Does Israel have any chariots? No. Does Israel have any additional helpers other than Israel itself? No. Did you see how many chariots they were up against? Did you see how many foot soldiers? Did you see the different types of soldiers they were fighting and the different fighting techniques? This means something to you. I'm going to show you something in a few, few minutes. I'm going to show you something in a few, few minutes. Okay? But yet, because they were the people of the covenant and they were standing for God and God was with them, the enemy had to flee. You see, these are people of the covenant. You are a person who has a covenant relationship with God. Mm. Let me let me let me let me move off that just for a minute. So they returned back to Jerusalem. Now they could have easily besieged, begin a siege of the city of the Ammonites, Ramoth, but they didn't. And now is when. We can speculate, and that's all we could do is speculate. I think that Joab realized that he was not prepared to take on that city, that he was going to have to approach it a little bit different, and that, that he was thankful for the deliverance, but he also sustained some losses. And so it was necessary for him to regroup because he knew that the enemy was going to regroup. So go to verse 13. After the Arameans saw that they had been routed by Israel, did you see, you see that? The Arameans got routed. 
In other words, after the Arameans got towed up, okay, they regrouped. Hadiazar had Arameans brought in from beyond the river. Now, if I could have, I would have shown you the Euphrates River that traveled th that travels through the northern part of Syria. Beyond that, the, the cities that I showed you was more cities, and it didn't show up on the map real good, so I don't want to bother to try to show it to you, but there were more cities and more Arameans up there. So not only does he go back through Syria and gather more men from the previous areas that we mentioned, but he goes north and he says to all his cousins and all of the cities that are paying him tribute up there, you guys, come on, we got a problem, and we're going to go down, and we finna stump some Israelites. Hadiezer had Arameans brought from behind the river. They went to Helam with Shobath, the commander of Hadiezer's army, leading them. When David was told of this, now David's finna get in the picture because he don't like what happened the last time. He's not sending. Now he's going. I'm not going to deal with that this week. When David was told of this, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan, and went to Helam. The Arameans formed their battle lines to meet David and fought against him, but they fled before Israel and David killed 700 of their charioteers and 40,000 of their foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobach, the commander of their army, and he died there. When all the kings who were vassals of Hadiazar saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they, by Israel, they made peace with the Israelites and became subject to them. So the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites anymore. In other words, what David did, when they, when they came back big and bad, he whooped them and, and beat them to their knees. And not only did he beat them to their knees, but he whooped them so bad that they said, you know what, we ain't going to fight no more. We give. We're your servants. We're your vassals. We now work for you. That's what a vassal is. A vassal is someone who is subservient to you. You have overpowered us. You have made us cry uncle. And so now we will do what you say. There is a new sheriff in town, and his name is David. Ooh, ain't that something? And doesn't that sound good? But what does that mean to me? And where does this take us? Well, first of all, what it takes us to is it takes us to Jesus. Because after Jesus was anointed, where does he go? After Jesus is baptized, where does he go? He goes into the wilderness. Am I right about that? What does the Bible say? And the Spirit of the Lord drove him out into the desert. And in the desert, what happens? He faces the enemy. 
Which enemy does he face? He faced the same enemy that had whipped Adam in the garden. He faced the same enemy that overcame Israel time and time again and led them into uh, apostasy. He faced that same enemy who tempted Adam to sin. He faced the same enemy that caused Israel, even while they were on their way to the promised land, to lose their faith and turn around and make them a cow and begin to worship a cow. He faced the same enemy that had defeated mankind from its beginning, and Jesus goes into the wilderness to face the enemy, and he faces them down with faithfulness to the word of God. He whoops them by being obedient to the word. He couldn't get him with the okey-doke like he got Adam. He couldn't, there was nothing that was so wonderful that the devil could offer Jesus that made him get off mission. Oh, y'all finna see something now. So how does that apply to me? You're on mission from God. You got a promise from God. God has given you an assignment. And what is his assignment? He said to advance the kingdom of God. And what happens to us as children of God is that oftentimes we see the enemy and we back down. We don't holler for God. We back down and say, oh, no, we can't do that no more. What do you mean we see the enemy? Didn't God tell you to take the land for him? Didn't he say, go ye therefore and preach and teach the gospel? Didn't he tell you to baptize and make disciples? He gave you and assigned you a territory. You know it and I know it. But rather than seeing the opportunity that is before us, we see the obstacle. We look in our offices and we say, see, that on, one, in, on, on the cubicle to the left, we got a heathen, and in the cubicle to the right, we got an even bigger heathen. We're surrounded by devils everywhere. We go home and we lock ourselves in our homes because all around us there's nothing but devils. And we try to move from place to place, and no matter where we move, it looks like the devil moved with us. When are you going to realize that you're going to fight. If, if, if when God gives you some territory, that you're going to fight. You can try to be nice to your neighbors, and you should be nice to your neighbors. But your neighbors are going to spread and encroach. You don't want your children playing with your neighbor's kids. Because here you are taking your kids to Sunday school and trying to read little Bible stories to them and get the word to them. In the meantime, pooching them next door and they hop up, tup, 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 and cussing and doing this and doing that. And their mama sitting on the porch with a 40 and they ain't seen their daddy since Hector was a puppy. And you don't want your children to be infected with that stuff. But guess what? That's the territory that God has given you to conquer. 
And if you are going to be like David, if you are going to proceed with the promise, if you are going to walk in authority because you have been anointed to be king, then you are going to do something. And I don't mean, okay, so I'm going to get strapped. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get strapped. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tell them, this is what they're going to do and that's what they're going to do. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Good to the pulling down of strongholds. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. We take them captive. You scared of their kids infecting your kids. What you need to do is you say, okay, mama ain't going to teach their kids right, huh, that I'm going to capture her children. And not only am I going to capture her children, I'm going to capture her. How do you do that? I dare you to start praying. I dare you to start praying. That's the beginning of it right there, and, and, and praying for her. You see, you tear down the things that are binding her. You tear down the things that are hindering her. That's how you're going to get your peace. You tear down and go to war against the demons that are attacking them. Those people are oppressed. Those people are being used and tricked by the devil. They don't realize the life in Christ. They are dead in their sins, and they don't realize the life that comes from Christ. And you have been shown the love of God. You've been given the revelation of God. You have treasure in earthen vessels that you shouldn't just keep to yourself, but instead you should go out and by the power of the Spirit begin to give it away. One, you start by praying, and you let the Holy Ghost lead you from there. You start by loving, and let the Holy Ghost lead you from there. You start by being open and stop being so scary. You think them kids going to infect you? Infect them. So you begin. I know I went to a funeral not too long ago and heard of just wonderful testimonies, just a wonderful testimony about an older lady. This old lady would pack up kids in her car and take them to church. And her car got so packed from taking kids to church and all the kids wanted to go. Now, these little bad kids don't nobody want nothing to do with. They standing out around Sundays saying, look, we going, to, we going to church with her. And her car got so full that she couldn't take any more in her car. So she walked down the street to the mother, the mother of a couple of the kids and said, you got to take your kids to church today, my car full. That's all she said. Now, she had been doing this for a while, and she had made herself an example. She had opened herself up. She was praying for these children, and not only was she praying for these children, but she was doing something with these children. She was taking them to the Lord and introducing them to the Lord by the agency of the church. And so the mother grabbed the kid, her kid and said, come on. This lady got up and testified at this woman's funeral, and she says, and 45 years later, I'm still at that church, working at that church, and I'm still hauling kids to church because she came and told me to take these kids to church. She won that entire neighborhood because she bothered to pray. 
She bothered to infect those children with the love and the word of God. And at her home going, person after person after person testified to what she had done in their lives, how she brought them out of darkness by her prayers and her testimony, and she won the neighborhood. And you, too, are responsible for doing the same thing. You can get the victory just as David got the victory, even though you are in a tight place. By obeying the word of God. And what does the word say? Go take it. It's yours. Stop whining. Stop crying. Stop being babyfied. Stop being so scared. Ask the Lord for holy boldness. Ask him for a strategy for your office. Ask him for the strategy for your neighborhood. Get down on your knees and pray and say, God, let's go to war. You complaining about all the killing in Chicago? The reason why them kids dying in Chicago is because of you. The reason why there's violence everywhere, because of you. You saved, you know better. You got it, give it out. Ain't doing you no good, holding on to it. You're a warrior. You're a winner. You are an ambassador. You have the power of the Holy Ghost. You have the commission of God. You are on mission with God to save, to expand the kingdom of God. And that's what we expect you to do. That's what he's expecting us to do. There's a day coming when we got to give an account of our stewardship. Take the land? No. Why not? Uh, I was scared. Uh, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't tell you to do it. I told you to go. I'll give you the victory if you go. Mm, okay, that's enough. And not only that, but these same people, they'll serve, they'll serve you. They'll help you hand out tracts. They'll help you do evangelism. They'll help you by becoming light because you're light. They'll serve you in mission as you serve God. That's what this chapter tells us, that as we conquer, and our conquering is a different kind of conquering, we're tearing down the kingdom of the devil. We sing all the time, we're going to tear your kingdom down, Satan, and all we do is tear a church down, stomping in the church about what we're going to do, and then don't do nothing. We're going to tear them down, pray it down. We're going to tear it down, put that word on it, that word will slice it and dice it and tear it up. Your faith will remove every mountain. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to yonder mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and what happened? It's gone. That's what we're saying to you tonight. That's the encouragement that we give you. Oh, yes, you can, because God said so. Okay, so that's our study for the night. Go back and read it and meditate over it again. Go back and let it speak to you again. Go back and uh, start at chapter 8 with the promise, and then go forward. 
Go forward. Go forward. Be who God has called you to be. And he's called you to be victorious. He makes you a warrior, not a warrior. He makes he says, we are more than conquerors. That's who you are. Stop being old skitty cat. Take them on. Take them on in prayer. Go war in prayer. Start there. Get on your knees and say, God, I'm your warrior. What are we doing? When you get up tomorrow morning and say, God, what are we fighting at today? What what territory are we taking? How we take this territory? Is it, is it going to be easy? Uh-uh, no, it ain't going to be easy. Are you going to, as they say, are you going to lose something? Mm-hmm. Are you going to get hit? Yep. Is the devil going to fight back? Yes, he is. But get your licks in. Get your licks in. You'll win. Amen, amen. Well, that's it for tonight. We'll be in Chapter 11 next week. Um, I pray that you have um, enjoyed the study tonight. Uh, I pray that you've been inspired to go forward in Christ. I bless you in Jesus' name. Uh, Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for victory. We thank you, O God, that we are warriors. We thank you, O God, that you've called us to take the land. We thank you that you've empowered us. We thank you that we have your word. Now, Father, lead us and guide us into this battle. Go before us and give us victory in all things. Be pleased with us, O God. Teach our hands to war through worship. Teach us to war through prayer. Teach us to put on the whole armor every day, every time, and to go forth in the power of your spirit and clothed in your righteousness, showing forth your love. How we bless you and how we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have a wonderful evening, and we bless you and good night.